Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Tuesday, June 4th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for stopping in. Stopping in. No one's stopping in anything. <laughs> Tuning in. Uh, thanks for listening to another week of uh, Locked on Spartans episodes. Uh, apologies for not following the Monday, Wednesday, Thursday script I had planned out for this week. Uh, but like I've mentioned to you guys, uh, hopefully enough to drive the point home. Summer is going to be a little bit weird. Um, you know, plan for three episodes a week. Sometimes it'll be four and it'll try to be on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. But sometimes it's just not going to shake out like that. This week will be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, barring anything unforeseen at this point. Um I hope I don't have to do a show leading into Friday, but yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is the plan for this week. So thanks so much for bearing with me through all of that. Uh, On today's show, we're going to continue our position-by-position breakdown of MSU football. Uh, Post-spring ball, we're going to go to the linebackers. It's uh, certainly an interesting group. A lot of proven guys there and a lot of... Uh, younger guys who haven't really seen the field much, but look to be potential, you know, like the next wave. Like hey, we've got the guys right now and then the next wave, there's sort of some fill-in depth pieces there, but it's a really interesting group. So we're going to talk about that. I want to talk about some games here. we got some early lines for 2019 games. Uh, I want to talk about those. I think it's uh, five or six Michigan State games. Uh, that were released by the uh, the Golden Nugget Sportsbook uh, as well. So we'll talk about that. And that will comprise our entire show today. Uh, reminder, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes on your phone every single day. You know, sometimes, like I said, I uh, the schedule is weird and, and flexible here in the summer. So if you just subscribe to the podcast, you'll get a notification whenever the uh, latest episode goes live. So you don't have to worry about if there's going to be an episode or anything like that. They just kind of show up. So uh, I can't recommend doing that enough. And then if you wouldn't mind, head on over to iTunes, give a five-star rating. Uh, That stuff helps out a lot. I appreciate it. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that get rewarded. All right. So, uh, let's, uh, let's start talking about these linebackers. It's, um, it's going to (laughs) be, there's going to be a theme through the three position groups, uh, on the Michigan state defense. We did the front last week. You can go uh, a couple episodes ago, maybe even the last episode, uh, check that out. Full D line breakdown. Um, we're doing linebackers today and then we'll do the secondary either later this week or uh, early next week, but there's going to be a theme, uh, and that theme is going to be, hey, uh, this group is absolutely loaded, is going to be one of the best in the conference, and there are a bunch of really young guys backing up all the really good guys that we've yet to see, and so there's some intrigue and excitement. So, uh, same situation here uh, with the linebackers. We'll start... um, you know, with the with the starters, and I do just want to go through. I think there's some interesting things to talk about. Uh, we're gonna uh, really focus on four guys as starters, I guess. I know only three linebackers start, uh, but I think there's really four quote unquote starter quality guys, and 
you know, beyond Joe Bocci, uh, I would imagine Tyreek Thompson's a pretty much an every down player. And then we'll see with Antoine Simmons and Brandon Boyer Randall. Um, but there's just sort of a, a versatility of skill set there that I think we're going to see those four guys a ton this year in different roles and, and doing different things. So we'll talk a lot about them. And then I do want to spend some time on some guys behind them. But uh, Joe Bocci is obviously the highlight. Uh, there was a thing going around on Twitter. Uh, I forget who started it, but it was basically here's Michigan State's uh, 11 starters um, on defense, rank them in it from 1 to 11 in importance. And it was someone who just like kind of threw the question out to 20 or 30 different MSU Twitter accounts, uh, kind of like myself and different writers for different, you know, blogs and stuff like that. And there was a variety of, of answers of guys at top, but I saw a ton of Joe Bocci as number one. Uh, for other uh, other writers, other podcasters, other you know whatever other Michigan State content creators, if you will, uh, and that wasn't you know a big surprise. He wouldn't have been number one on mine. Uh, I didn't do. Uh, I didn't respond to that. I actually forgot. I meant to. I forgot to put my answer up there. Um, I would have had Kenny Willickis at number one, um, just because behind him. There's a supreme lack of uh, his ability, I, I guess is the best way to say it. like someone to actually get after the passer and be disruptive force consistently in the backfield. Uh, it's just there's not a lot of depth there. Like if Raquan Williams, as great as he is, goes out and Naquan Jones has to play extended snaps, you know, there's going to be a drop off, but he's someone who's proven he can do some of the same things at a high level. You know, if Kenny goes out, you know, there's no one on this team really who can really get after the passer consistently from the front. Uh, you're going to rely on a lot more blitzes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Bocci would be right after Willikis, though. Uh, for me, part of because I I, I think it's gonna, it would be tough to replace him just from a leadership standpoint. Uh, and, you know, that defensive quarterback, we know how important that position, the middle linebacker position is at Michigan State in terms of calls and checks and things like that. A lot is put on his plate. Uh, he's been playing in this defense for four years now, and he is sort of, you know, whatever, just call him the quarterback of the defense. <laughs> it always revolves around the quarterback, even when we're talking about defense, but he's the guy, you know, calling the shots. And so uh, maybe there's someone behind him who could replicate some of the skill set. Uh, I'm sure we'll find out you know, in, in this season and then next spring and things like that, someone will sort of step into that role. Um, but in terms of like leadership and just knowledge, institutional knowledge of Michigan State defense and Big Ten offense and things like that, that would be uh, damn near impossible to replace. So Bocci would certainly uh, slot in at two for me in terms of most important members of the, the starting defense. And really, you know, if you're doing the entire team, I think Lewerke's probably got to come in at one and then Willikis at two uh, and then Bocce at three. So, you know, one of the most important players on the entire team. And it's a good guy to uh, really rely on. There's certainly a lot on his plate. A ton is expected of him. Uh, and I'm, I couldn't be more comfortable relying on somebody to do all that than Joe Bocce. Like, uh, I think it was, uh, oh, I'm, I'm totally blanking who it was, but it was, um, oh yeah, Darian Harris, duh. It's like, which Michigan State linebacker is doing a bunch of TV stuff now? Who was that? Who was that? Yeah, Darian Harris, uh, who's been doing media and different things like that, uh, was on TV uh, during the Michigan State spring game. 
and was talking about, you know, different things. And spring games are certainly looser environments and it's more free-flowing. There's different things to talk about. But he, uh, at some point during that broadcast, said Joe Bocci is the best linebacker to uh, play under Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State, which uh, says a lot because there's been a lot of really great ones. He's a guy who himself played with great ones. He was a freshman and sophomore, I think it was, with Max Bulla on the team, Um, you know. He didn't play with Greg Jones, but is certainly aware of Greg Jones, and he's a guy who you would think knows a little bit about playing linebacker and just has a it's a good perspective to have. And so for him to say something like that really unequivocally, uh, I think says a lot about Bocce, and I think he's just a different type of player than those guys were uh, in terms of, uh, you know, it's similar in terms of production and trust and knowledge and, and things like that. But I think where it, like, it's sort of like a little bit of Jones and, and Bulla combined a little bit better athlete, I think. And that's sometimes tough to tell, but I think he's more of a sideline to sideline guy than, you know, certainly Bulla was right. I, and, and Jones too. There's a lot of that. Well, if this was 1996, they'd be first round picks with both of those guys in terms of NFL stuff, uh, you know, run-stopping linebackers, but could be liabilities in the pass game. Uh, I think Bocce does, you know, does it all really well, and he certainly had plays that interception against Utah State was just a phenomenal play uh, athletically. Tip it to yourself and, and dive and make the interception. And I think there's just a little bit more juice there, if you want to call it that, than previous middle linebackers. And then you take into account the fact that he is just as smart, maybe smarter than those guys, knows what to do, uh, is incredibly productive, instinctive, knows for the ball, all that stuff, leadership. I don't know if I said leadership, but I'll just say it again. Um, yeah, he's just, uh, it's, it's tough to really get someone better uh, than Joe Bocci at that spot. And for him to come back his senior season, you know, probably a mid-round draft pick last year if he goes to the NFL uh, with a really, you know, going to make a roster, a good chance to be a, 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 you know, eventually be a starter in the NFL. For him to, you know, put that away for a year and to come back uh, says a lot about him, certainly, and a lot about, you know, this defense and being a part of Michigan State and just sort of being that senior guy, the leader, the one that everyone's looking up to uh, and, and what you hope is going to be an outstanding season and it should be uh, another outstanding defense. Um, so, yeah, like just you really couldn't get a better guy than Joe Bocci to be uh, in that spot there. And so he's rightfully going to attract a lot of headlines. But, you know, alongside of him, Tyreek Thompson has proved himself to be a really good football player. Um and I think both Antoine Simmons and Brandon Boyer Randall have as well. I'm really, I think, out of those three, I, I'm like, I'm supremely confident in all of them. I think they're all really good players, and I think they all are just gonna have really good seasons. Tyreek's uh, a senior this year. Simmons and Boyer Randall are juniors, and so this is the spot for those two juniors. We're like, all right, now it's time for you to be a consistent, good football player. We've seen flashes and different things from them, but you know, it's time to be a consistent starter and make big plays. You know, Andrew Dowell's gone, uh, opening up that spot and Tyreek Thompson, uh, sort of filled that role last year and, and became the full-time starter, uh, consistent player. And is just really good at football. Um, but I'm really like, I think out of those three, most intrigued to see what happens with Brandon, uh, Boyer Randall, uh, I think 
not that he's uh, Danico Salen or anything like that, um, but I think there's a little bit uh, of that to his game. I think uh, he is a really good athlete. Uh, I think, you know, there's going to be ways for uh, Michigan State to use him in different blitz packages and things like that. Uh, just like, for example, like between Antoine Simmons and Tyreek Thompson, I think they had a sack last year. Yeah, Simmons, um, who will certainly see more playing time this year, didn't record a sack. Uh, and Tyreek Thompson had one. Brandon Boyer Randall um, had four sacks last year, five and a half tackles for loss uh, on 21 total tackles. So there's just a little bit more of that explosive behind the line playmaker to his game. You know, he was a really. Uh, well thought of uh, linebacker recruit, uh, you know, and now that he's getting time on the field, um, you know, I think this is going to be a season for him where he really has a chance to establish himself as a, a really great pass rusher from the linebacking linebacker position, a really great playmaker, uh, a guy to make impact splash plays. Uh, so I'm really interested to see what he looks like uh, with an increased role last year because we really er, increased role this year because last year with a slight uptick in snaps we really started to see him come on. Uh, he's a great athlete uh, and has shown a good nose for the ball for getting to the quarterback for getting guys down behind the line of scrimmage. And so you know five and a half tackles for loss, four sacks last year. You know if he can get to seven, eight sacks. 12 tackles for a loss or something like that uh, with an increased snap and increased roll. That would be uh, a welcome addition to the linebacking group. And again, you know, we'll see how it shakes out with him and Simmons. If, uh, you know, there's 1A, 1B type starter, I think Boyer Randall's a guy that you can sort of move around and use in different ways um, and isn't a part, you know, maybe sometimes depending on opponent, he's part of the 4-3 base and things like that. Maybe uh, Simmons is a better fit. Maybe you bring in Boyer Randall and, and you know, use him at little hybrid type things uh, when you want to be a little bit bigger but still athletic instead of, you know, running out five defensive backs. Use him as sort of like a hybrid safety linebacker type because he is fast enough and athletic enough to cover people but can be used in blitzes and different things like that. So I do like sort of that versatility that he brings along with the steadiness uh, and rock solid run stopping ability of the other guys. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a really good group and I'm very much looking forward to watching them play this fall. All right, let's, uh, break right there along first segment, but this next segment, uh, will be a little bit shorter. We'll talk about, uh, some different depth guys and sort of the next wave uh, of linebackers, some other things to look forward to aside from the, the guys we already know. You can get Locked on Spartans on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. The Himalaya podcast app is free, super easy to use, and has all of your favorite podcasts. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked on Spartans. Uh, we're going to keep it rolling here with the linebackers. Uh, you know, we already went through the starting guys. And like I said, this, this next little segment here, uh, I think will be shorter, but, uh, I think it's worth talking about some of the other guys, uh, that are backing up these guys that are more intriguing guys. We haven't really seen a ton, um, that maybe could make an impact. And I will, you know, Luke Fulton, 
uh, Luke Fulton, excuse me, and Marcel Lewis, uh, our true freshman coming in. We haven't seen a ton from them. Uh, I think for any true freshman uh, not named Julian Barnett, it's going to be tough to get on the field for this defense. So won't spend a ton of time on those guys. Uh, but there are some interesting guys sort of above them, uh, you know, on the two deep, on the three deep, that might be worth, you know, writing this name down or something like that. So first one I want to talk about is Chase Klein. He's going to be a redshirt freshman. Um, he is someone who, you know, could be, uh, and he's different than Joe Bocci, uh in terms of sort of size and things like that. Um, he is an inside linebacker, but he's much larger than Joe Bocci and was a pretty well-regarded recruit. Um, you know, let's see here. Yeah. Number 447 in the nation, uh, in the 24, seven sports composite similar for 27, uh, 24, seven sports. So pretty well-regarded recruit, uh, red shirted last year, but I think is somebody who could certainly see the field at times this year. Uh, and if it was a situation kind of like Bocce stepped into where there wasn't really a presence at the inside linebacker, middle linebacker spot, and he sort of got thrust in there and, and thrived, that could be, you know, a Klein, a Klein could be that type of guy uh, this year. We'll sort of see how it all shakes up. Uh, but he played in the spring game. Uh, Antoine Simmons was out uh, in the spring game, and Klein got to play. Uh, and he was really someone who, you know, Granted, spring game, we always take stuff with a grain of salt, but he looks like someone who could certainly be a player. Um, he is huge. <laughs> like I said, he's 6'4". Um, what is he listed at? Like 200-something pounds, 230-something pounds. He's a big dude, a big middle linebacker. He looks like he's going to be a solid athlete uh, and might be next in line uh, as the, you know, the next Michigan State inside linebacker uh, in I think there will be situations where we see him this year. Uh, the way Joe Bocci plays, sometimes he gets nicked up. It happened a couple of times, and he has to come off the field. I think it wouldn't be a shock, and we'll see how things shake out to see Chase Klein end up as the backup middle linebacker uh, and the defense uh, and you know get some plays to give Bocci a spell occasionally, uh, the rare times it happens, or if he gets nicked up or something like that, or you know, heaven forbid something happens with Reshki, or not Reshki, sorry, um, with Bocce, uh, and he, you know, misses a game or misses a couple of games or something like that, I think Klein would be the guy to sort of step in, uh, and we'll see how that shakes out, but he's someone to certainly keep uh, the name on your radar as we, you know, slowly start to meander our way towards fall football in the actual season. Uh, the other one I want to talk about uh, is the other Dowell brother, um, Michael Dowell. He is uh, sort of, uh, you know, I guess he's probably still lifted, listed as a safety, but he played some linebacker and safety uh, in the spring game. Uh, you know, with the, the pedigree of being a Dowell, uh, that certainly helps him. Um, but Michael has, uh, was also a pretty well-regarded recruit. Wasn't quite as highly rated uh, as Andrew and David. Both of those guys were, um, you know, four-star guys. I, not, I don't know if I remember if by consensus, but they were both right around that four-star mark. Um, Michael's a little bit lower than that, but not much. He was a top 500 recruit, 459 on 24-7 sports. Um, composite and then 453 on 24 7 sports actual rating. So uh, 
he's someone who is going to be another redshirt freshman. And like I said, he played some uh, safety, came in as a safety. Uh, we'll probably honestly see most time at safety. I would say we'll see. Um, but did play some linebacker in the spring game. Uh, and as we know with Dowells, they can play safety and linebacker. But I think he's going to be someone who's just has positional versatility uh, in, in different ways. Uh, someone who can probably do some pass rushing things with his athletic ability. That might be something that eventually becomes an asset, uh, part of his game, an aspect of his game uh, that he might have to develop. But there's certainly athleticism there. Uh, and you would think just you know, basing it off uh, his brothers, his recruiting pedigree and things like that, and, and how much we saw him in the spring game, the role he played in the spring game, that there's certainly a future for him, maybe not a ton this year just because of the guys in front of him, but I'd be willing to bet we see him uh, on the field definitely. And then another one, uh, we'll see how this sort of shakes out with uh, a couple other guys. Uh, there's Jess Lord, Botang, Tanner Hallock, uh, Edward Warner, Noah Harvey are all uh, sophomores or redshirt freshmen. It's an interesting group. Oh, Terry O'Connor as well. Um, but it's just an interesting group. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about you know a couple of guys. We'll see if we see Just Lord Botang uh, much. He played in the spring game, started uh, at linebacker in the spring game because Antoine Simmons uh, was out, if I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, but as someone who could certainly see the field this year, um, was a pretty well-regarded prospect uh, coming out of school, uh, coming out of high school, number 22 player in the state of Ohio, uh, number five outside linebacker in the state of Ohio, uh, according to 24-7. So, uh, you know, kind of the... <laughs> sort of the stereotypical guy that Michigan State likes to pull out of Ohio, who's a little bit under the radar, still a good recruit, uh, doesn't get that Ohio State offer, and then Michigan State gets them, and they become a really good player. So, you know, between Boateng, Klein, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Marcel Lewis, Dowell as well, if he slides into linebacker things. I think there's a nice little group there that we'll get to see a little bit of this fall, not a ton because just the the front four guys who are going to eat up that playing time uh, are just such good players, but there will be spots, I think, where we're going to see some of these guys, uh, and that's just, you know, that's the next wave, right? I think if in two years uh, the starting linebackers for Michigan State were Chase Klein, Boateng, uh, and then, you know, Maybe Michael Dowell ends up being a linebacker. Maybe someone like Marcel Lewis ends up, uh, you know, becoming an outside linebacker and sticking there. Uh, that wouldn't shock me if that sort of was the starting group in a couple of years. So it's just good to keep those guys' names uh, on the radar there uh, because you might end up seeing them a little bit this year. And then in a couple of years, they're really going to be impactful players for Michigan State. All right, let's uh, break right there. When we get back for segment three, I want to talk about some of these games that Michigan State uh, got football, uh, football, got gambling lines. Sometimes I just like, I have football Tourette's and I just say football out of nowhere instead of the word I'm trying to say. Uh, some of these gambling lines, Michigan State uh, has like uh, five or six games this fall that uh, the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas has listed as some of their games of the year, and they released early betting lines for those. So we're going to talk about those, uh, you know, 
and if they're interesting, insulting, if we should be betting on them, stuff like that. So remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Spartans and the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need the free Himalaya podcast app with our personally curated playlist and theme collection of shows. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked on Spartans. So Michigan State... Uh, I don't know why I keep doing that. The Golden Nugget has released uh, their annual college football games of the year. Uh, when they do that, you know, it's really early betting lines, drum up interest, get some early money in on long shot futures that really we have absolutely no idea how to bet. Um, but <laughs> you can uh, check those out. We've got a post up, spartanswire.usatoday.com. But Michigan State is featured. Uh, in a number of those. So I just wanted to go through a few of them that I thought were pretty interesting. So the uh, first one, let's see here. Uh, Michigan State is a two and a half point favorite on the road at Northwestern September 21st. Eh, Not that interesting, although I guess uh, Golden Nugget hasn't paid attention to the recent history between these two teams. Uh, you know, then there's Wisconsin at Wisconsin. Michigan State's a three point dog. You know, you give the three point for, uh, for home field advantage there is pretty even shakeout. Uh, not a surprising line there. And then Michigan State is a two-point favorite hosting Penn State on October 26th. So some nice respect there. Uh, I think uh, we'll see with Penn State. It's going to be tough uh, replacing quarterback, running back, a bunch of other guys. Uh, but they certainly have a lot of talent. And James Franklin has shown the ability to take a bunch of really highly regarded recruits and win two fewer games than he probably should. So We'll see. Uh, Penn State hasn't had the best time with Michigan State in recent years. Uh, But that'll be an interesting one for sure. The two lines that I found most interesting, and I think Michigan State fans will find most interesting, we've got Michigan State at Ohio State on October 5th. Michigan State is a 15.5-point dog. That is a lot of points this far out. Uh, Then November 16th, Michigan State at... The University of Michigan, Michigan State is a 13 and a half point dog. Um, okay, so let's talk about Ohio State first. So I think, first off, I think both of these lines are kind of absurd, um, but I understand why they are the lines that they are. You know, Michigan State's coming off a seven and six season. They are returning a bunch of people from one of the worst offenses in the entire country. They didn't get a new cor- or they got a new coordinator, but they didn't fire anybody. They just reshuffled the staff. It's sort of a weird situation and not something that I think uh, is really easy to project. I think Vegas is kind of like, well, until we see any differently, let's just act like the team that was really bad at offense uh, and didn't do anything to get better on offense is going to be really bad on offense. And I think uh, Vegas thinks Michigan State's going to be really good on defense again. I think that's why you see something like uh, on the road at Wisconsin uh, is only three points. On the road at Northwestern, you're a favorite. Home against Penn State, you're a favorite. I would bet Michigan State's going to be favored uh, outside of those three games at Ohio State, at Wisconsin, at Michigan. I bet you if uh, the Golden Nugget released lines for all their games, uh, Michigan State would be a favorite in all but those three. So, that's honestly uh, some decent respect from Vegas, and I think all of that stems from the defensive side of the football. You know, it is widely regarded to be a, a top five unit 
uh, going into this season and a potential number one defense in all of college football. And that's just, you know, that's well known. And I think that's where the sort of respect comes from here. Um, But I don't think there's any real hope or any real evidence or, you know, no one with a, with skin in the game, no one putting money up against this, no one whose job it is to, you know, make lines or anything like that is giving more credit to the Michigan State offense until they prove that they deserve it. Uh, just given, A, what they did last year and, you know, the really the track record of offense. Under Mark D'Antonio, there's been a lot of really mediocre to blah offenses uh, mixed in with some solid offenses and then one really good offense. So there's certainly different trends and things like that, which is kind of why you get these weird lines. And then when you play teams like Ohio State and Michigan that, you know, on the road, tough environments, big games uh, against teams that are really complete teams with a ton of talent, just like high-end five-star recruits, four-star recruits all over really high-end talent. uh, That's where I think... Vegas probably sees that and says, okay, Michigan State's going to go to Ohio State and lose 21 to 3. Now, holding Ohio State's offense to 21 points could end up being one of the best defensive performances against Ohio State of the season, but you still, that's an 18 point margin, right? I think the, the stock is that low on Michigan State's offense that they think early in the season, them going to Ohio State at night, like good luck putting up points with that stinker of an offense. And then similarly with Michigan, you know, similar tough environment on the road against a team that's expected to return, uh, or that's not expected to, that returns a ton of really talented guys on offense. Uh, That could be something where like, yeah, maybe Michigan's defense isn't quite as good, but they're still a B plus, A minus type defense. Michigan State can only muster 10 points. And then Michigan is able to get 24 uh, on them. You know, still a really good performance by the Michigan State defense. But when you don't have an offense to uh, do absolutely anything, it's really easy for you to not cover. Um, And we saw that last year. Michigan State's defense played at it was almost impossible for them to play better, and yet teams were still able to cover on Michigan State, uh, you know, cover double-digit lines like this. Michigan covered a 14-point line, uh, or whatever it was, a 13-point line, I don't remember, but they they won by 14 points uh, just because the Michigan State offense was absolutely incompetent, and so I'm not surprised to see these lines. I think if I was if I was going to bet on this, if I felt inclined to put my hard-earned money on that Ohio State or Michigan game, I think I would grab those points immediately because not, not that it's a bet on the fact that Michigan State's offense is going to be, re, you know, rebound, be good, and Michigan State's going to be a, a team that, you know, is pushing to make the, the college football playoff or anything like that. I think... In most scenarios, Michigan State wins nine or ten games this season, which is a good bounce back from going seven and six. And you know, if you can get to ten wins, that's always an accomplishment in college football, and you set yourself up for a solid bowl and things like that. I think that's the most likely scenario for this team. It'll be disappointing if that happens, given how great the defense will be. But I think that's just kind of the most likely scenario. Um, I'm not betting on the fact that I think Michigan State would be great. I'm betting on the fact that D'Antonio and Michigan State teams under D'Antonio do not get their tails handed to them unless they are just 
absolutely overmatched. I think last year was an anomaly in some different ways, just with how bad things went on offense. Even when they've had bad offenses, they've been able to just sort of plop together enough, right? Plop together enough of a performance to hang close with a good team and not get blown out. Uh, you, you only see them get really waxed when they play Alabama <laughs> or when they play an Ohio State team that is just uh, severely more talented than them. And that's when you get a line like uh, what it was uh, 2017 when they were both ranked in the top 15 and Ohio State's like a 17-point favorite and they win by 45. Like We could see that one coming from a mile away. Um, I don't foresee... Ohio State or Michigan having that big of a talent advantage over Michigan State. Michigan State has a ton of really good players, um, and I'm willing to bet that their injury luck will be better on offense, and that alone will do wonders for them uh, if everyone can just stay healthy. I think at worst, (laughs) they can be a below-average offense, and with a below-average offense, Michigan State will win nine games this year. With a good offense, Michigan State will win 10 or 11. With a great offense, Michigan State won't lose a game this year. Uh, I don't think that's happening. I think it's most likely they end up with an average offense and win nine or 10 games. But this defense with an average offense, uh, I just can't see getting their doors blown off by Michigan or Ohio State. Even though those games are on the road, even though both those teams are going to be really good and those are the two favorites for the Big Ten East, uh, I, I just can't see that blowout happening. Uh, it just doesn't happen to Michigan State teams under Mark D'Antonio. So I'm, if I'm betting, I'm jumping all over those lines, completely understanding where Vegas is coming from in that. But I think, you know, if you wait it out and wait till October 4th to bet the Michigan State-Ohio State game, I bet you you'll get Michigan State plus nine. Michigan State plus seven, Michigan State plus eight, somewhere in there. And with the Michigan State-Michigan game, I bet you'll get Michigan State plus seven, something like that. Michigan State plus six and a half. So I don't think Michigan State will play themselves into being favorites against those guys, especially not Ohio State that early in the season. You're not going to swing the opinion on those two teams that drastically. Late in the season, if Michigan's struggling, dealing with injuries, uh, not having a great season, and Michigan State's really good, I could see that being an even type game or, or spread getting down to three points or something like that. But I think most likely you'll see those games drop at least six, seven points from where they are right now. And so that's massive. Uh, and I would jump all over those if I was uh, inclined to bet my hard-earned money on those. All right, that is going to be it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Spartans. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode uh, where we'll talk a little bit about... um, I want to talk about some basketball stuff, Nick Ward. Specifically, uh, I've got a, a series coming out here about... Pro preview or pro potential for Nick Ward, Kenny Goins, and Matt McQuaid. Uh, so I do want to talk about that. I'll start with Nick Ward tomorrow, and then we'll see if anything else is going on. Maybe we'll talk about the defensive backs, or maybe we'll just figure something else to talk about. Uh, so that's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Hotels.com for uh, sponsoring the show. Reminder, rate, review, subscribe. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter. 1L2 underscores. Email the show. LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Still taking submissions. If you want to be on the show, get at me at one of those two things. Send me a DM on Twitter or email me a pitch what you would do if you're co-hosting a segment of Locked on Spartans with me. 
I think I've got four of them on the books right now in my calendar that I'm looking at right now, uh, all in the next couple of weeks here. And so I'm going to get those recorded and then just sort of slot them into different episodes where I see fit. Uh, so if you want to take part in that, please reach out. Uh, definitely looking forward to catching up with the people who have reached out to me. So at will underscore underscore hunter one L two underscores locked on Spartans at gmail.com. Definitely reach out and do that if you want. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of locked on Spartans until then go green.